Good evening. Thank you again for joining us for our Ash Wednesday service. It's good to be with you all this evening, and it was really just a privilege um, to listen and hear, listen to you sing and sing with you. And so just already have been uh, so ministered to uh, this evening as we, Greg led us in prayers and song, and so uh, feeling already uh, encouraged uh, being together this evening. Uh, this evening, I want to just take a few moments uh, and reflect on a sentence we see in Scripture, and that is, we are dust, and to dust we will return. We see the phrase for the first time in Genesis 3, when God is giving Adam his curse for his sin and rebellion, and at the end of the curse, he tells Adam, you are dust, and to dust you will return. In Ecclesiastes, the teacher is reflecting on the frailty or even vanity of life, and he's wrestling with the reality that the destination of humanity is the same destination of beasts. And so as he's reflecting on that, he says, all go to one place, all are from the dust, and to dust all return. And so our identity of being made of dust seems uh, to be quite negative at this point. There doesn't seem to be much hope in being dusty. But I would like to consider this evening again, just for a few moments, that being dust beings is not the problem. Dust by itself is the problem. To be earthly, another way of saying being dusty, to be made of dust, to be earthly, is not a problem. The problem is earth without heaven. We need the life and the breath of God. Earth needs heaven. That's why Jesus prays, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, on the dust, for the dust, as it is in heaven. So being made of dust simply means we are made of the stuff of earth. But receiving the breath of God, receiving the spirit of God, now we are not only made of the stuff of earth, but when we receive the breath of God, we are formed by the life of heaven. The problem has never been that we are of dust or that we are earthly. The problem arises when dust beings experience the absence of the spirit of God of the breath of God, of the life of God. As human beings, as we are made of dust and receive the breath of God into our beings, when those two mix together, we are then to be declared to be like God. We are the image of God when we are this beautiful mixture of heaven 
and earth. When we are mixed with the dust of the earth and the breath of God, we're no longer just dust that blows. When we are made of the dust of the earth, mixed with the breath of God, the creator says, this is very good. This mixture of heaven and earth is a beautiful mixture. Each and every one of us here this evening are made in the image of God. Each and every one of us profoundly have beginnings from dust, which by itself isn't that good of news. But our beginning of dust, once receiving the breath of God, become magnificent and beautiful and mysterious. That's what we all are this evening as we breathe. As we breathe, each and every breath is a testament to the magnificent creator God who made us, who made us with a mixture of heaven and earth. We know in Genesis 1, God created, in the story of the Bible, a unique life form. This unique life form, life form is, as I've already said, like God in God's own image. And this likeness of God on creation, in creation, is essentially described as man and woman, titled Adam and Eve. And immediately, as God declares that this mixture of dust and the breath of God, human beings, the image of God, the likeness of God, man and woman... Adam and Eve, immediately he gives them a calling. Immediately he asks them to participate with him, to be like him, to rule creation. But they're intended to rule creation like he would rule creation, with goodness and love and considering others' interests. This was the calling of Adam and Eve as uniquely being in the likeness of God, this mixture of dust and the breath of God, were to rule the creation like God, to be like God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And we see in Genesis 2, as I've kind of described already, how God went about creating this man and this woman, where he took the dust of the earth and he breathed into the nostrils. And this is the beginning of this beautiful mixture of heaven and earth. And then we get into Genesis 3. The problem with Genesis 3 with Adam and Eve is they didn't accept their dustiness. They only wanted to be seen and grasp for more of what God was and not accept that they were like God, not God himself. They are enticed by the snake 
The snake said to them, if you disobey God, you won't return to dust. That's what he's saying when he said, you will not surely die. You will not return to dust. Look at what you are. Look at what you are. You're from the dust with the life of God. You can be like God. And what's the irony? They already are. They already are like God, but somehow the serpent was able to put in their mind through the one item that God asked them to not partake of that they would be like God in some other way. And then they wouldn't die, as God said, if you disobey me, you will return to dust. But the opposite was true of what the serpent said. They were already like God, and the reality is they will return to dust if they disobey God. And so, in fact, as we know, Adam and Eve, this mixture of heaven and earth, disobeyed God. And so in God's judgment of humanity, he says, you are dust, and to dust you will return. And we see this evidenced in Genesis 5 with the repetitive phrase, and he returned to dust, and he returned to dust, and he returned to dust, and he returned to dust. The phrase, and he died, is a repetitive phrase in Genesis 5, evidencing just exactly what God said, you are dust, and to dust you will return because of your sin. And so we see throughout Jewish history that putting dust on your head was an appropriate response to deep tragedy, deep grief, death, the loss of life. We see over and over Jews within the story of the Old Testament putting dust on their heads in the worst moments of their lives, in their deepest grief. But, God continues to rule like we wouldn't, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness and willing to forgive. And we see signs of life throughout the Old Testament already when we see Abraham going to God in Genesis 18 saying, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Who am I? but dust and ashes. He's starting to get it. There's glimpses of hope in the Old Testament where Abraham accepts his dustiness. In doing that, he's clinging to the breath of God, knowing that dust in and of itself will only blow throughout the earth. But as he goes to God saying, I am but dust and ashes, he's putting his trust in the life of God to sustain him. We see promise in Hannah's promise in 1 Samuel when Hannah sings, he raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. This gives, even already in the Old Testament, a hope. And as we go on this Lenten journey, the greatest miracle of all is the perfect mixture of the dust 
of the earth and the life and breath of God in the man Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth becomes dusty like us in every respect. Wonderfully and consistently and beautifully trusting the Spirit of God to empower him to fully trust his Father and to do everything the Father asks him to do. And so Jesus assumes dust like us in every respect. And in Jesus' journey in dust, the beauty is that what will happen to Jesus will happen to us. So Jesus was dust, and to dust he returned. Jesus went to the grave for us that we may have life And his father breathed once again into his nostrils the breath of life and brought his son back from the dead. And so this is our journey from Lent to Easter as a church family. This journey from Lent to life. What happened to Jesus can happen to us God is so committed to restoring the dust of creation that he even had his own son become dust like us for all eternity. And so this is why we are here on this Ash Wednesday. We want to take time, as Greg has already led us, to reflect on the reality of our own brokenness our own propensity to look away from the life of God when it's there for life for us. But instead, we want to determine things on our own. But we know when we go our own way and do that which is right in our own eyes, we are dust and to dust we will return. But the beauty of the story of the Bible is that's not actually the end of the story. We are dust, and to dust we will return. But in Jesus, we will be made new. And so our observance of Lent this year, we want to include not only the journey of Lent, but also the destination of Lent. Our theme this year, many of you may have received these booklets when you came in, is Lent to life. If you did not receive one, you can get one on your way out. Lent is our journey. Life is our destination. Lent is our journey, but life is our destination. And so we want to provide an understanding that Lent, just like dust, is not enough by itself. There is a purpose for Lent. There is a purpose for repentance And fasting, the journey of Lent is intended to find life in Jesus by the Spirit of God. Jesus states, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And so this is our Lenten journey. 
I want to just very quickly just explain some really practical things that we want to offer you all as we do this journey together as a church family. In this pattern of Lent to life, it is even going to shape our weeks. So in the observation of Lent, Sunday is intended to be a break from Lent. Sunday is actually our regathering to celebrate that there is life on the way of the journey of Lent. And so what we have for you all here is a practice guide for you throughout Monday to Saturday to really assess and lean into the Lenten part of our journey, our own brokenness, our own frailty, our own dustiness without Christ, our need for repentance. But then as we gather on Sunday, our gathering will, in a sense, be a moment of break, a moment to feast from the fasting. And so we're actually going to even in a, uh, reorganize our services on Sundays when you come. Because what we will have is as we come in on Sundays, it's as if we will still be carrying that Lenten brokenness as we come in. And we're actually going to front load the sermon so that Gerald, through the sermon, can lead us from Lent to life. And if you look at the table of contents, there's different themes we're going to be exploring each week. Repentance to repair, fasting to feasting, humility to unity, withhold to behold, and on. And so what we'll do in the services is set up a framework for us as we're reflecting on, say for the coming weeks, repentance. Then Gerald will set up for us repair. And then the rest of our service together will be celebrating the repair. We're celebrating the life that is for us at the end of the journey of Lent. And so we hope that these can kind of go hand in hand for you during this season of Lent. You guys can grab one of these, and there's different practices we have for each week. We have sing, we have read, we have pray, we have do, we have fast and rest. And you can do one a day, you can do all in one day. You can just do one one week because you had a busy week and you didn't get to them all. However you want to use it, this is meant to just be a guide for you as you take this spiritual journey through the season of Lent. And so we all as a church family want to shape our weeks in fasting, in repentance, in Lent. But then when we regather on Sunday, we will be guided to see repair. We will be guided to feast We'll be guided to life. In closing, the greatest tragedy of the story of Scripture is when humanity, in the beautiful mixture of in heaven and earth that they are, think that because of that, we don't perpetually need the breath of God for life. And when we start to journey away from the life of God to our own desires, we then simply evidence only dust. But as we continue 
to lean to the source of life, we continue to lean to the word of God, to trust and follow him. The breath of God empowers us to be like God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And we too can fully live out the beauty of this mixture of earth and heaven. This is our journey. Let's pray. Father, we come to you as Abraham came to you saying, what is going on that we can come to you and approach you? We have fallen short of your glory. We have not imaged you as you called us to. We have went in towards self. And so, Father, we confess our sins to you and ask you to forgive us. Father, we are so thankful that goodness and mercy pursues us to the extent that your son was willing to assume flesh that dust would not be the end of our story, but that we could be made new again, that your spirit would once again in a new and powerful way make it so that it's like we are reborn. All over again. Thank you for your breath in us. May it empower us during this Lenten season, to be honest with our confession, may it empower us to deny ourselves, may it empower us to be willing to lose our life so that we may gain. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.